Welcome to the Leadership Conversations podcast. I'm your host, Jono White. I'm the founder and principal consultant of Clarity. We are an Australian-based consultancy that works with leaders around the world, and our passion is to invest in people to become everything they're meant to be in order to fill the world with healthy organizations that people love to work for and customers line up to buy from. The goal of this podcast is to invest in you and your leadership. If you're just joining us for the first time, then feel free to check out consultclarity.org. That's our website, consultclarity.org. We have so many free resources on there, the most popular being our seven questions on leadership series. We've had more than 1,500 leaders from around the world in all different sectors give their in-depth answers on leadership, what books they love, what they found most challenging, uh, the most meaningful stories, how they how they structure their time through the day. That's free, so go and check it out. And we'd love to interview you about your leadership. I believe you have advice from your experience, your context, and your life so far that is important and can help other leaders. It's also a great way to give back. It's free to get involved, and you can do so by going to consultclarity.org forward slash seven dash questions dash interest, or just Google consultclarity.org seven questions interest and fill out the form that pops up. We have a free resource for you on our website. It's called Leadership Survival Guide. It's a 57-page ebook. It has interviews with 10 world-class leaders, and you can go to consultclarity.org. It's right at the top and get that today. Uh, We also have a daily email that we send out to over 15,000 leaders, and that email contains the highlights, our best content from our podcasts, our blog, uh, my book, uh, the books that we're loving that are out there about leadership, It's also the best way to get access to our masterclasses and workshops before anyone else. And there's also exclusive and limited uh, special options just for subscribers. And you can subscribe by going to consultclarity.org forward slash subscribe. Now, my gift to you is to work incredibly hard to provide the best leadership content I can to invest in you and your leadership. So if you're finding our content helpful, if you find this podcast helpful, then your gift to me uh, could be this. If you if you do find it helpful, then write a review or rate our content and make sure you subscribe or follow. I can't emphasize enough how helpful that is. It really does help us to get the word out there so we can invest in more leaders to become everything they're meant to be. It also means a lot to me personally when people like you and people in our community share our content on social media. So if you do that, then please do look for me, Jono White, to tag me and look to tag Clarity uh, on whatever platform you're on. And our team, including me, I'm always looking to see when people have mentioned us so that I can engage with you. And also we look at sharing content. So if if you write something about something we've done, there's also a good chance we'll share that with our followers. So if you could do that, that is a massive, massive help as we try to invest in as many leaders as we can around the world. Last of all, you can check out my book about how to deal with difficult people even if you hate conflict. It's called Step Up or Step Out. It's available on Amazon. You can just look up Step Up or Step Out John O'White or you can go to store.consultclarity.org forward slash book and check it out there. I 
have coached leader after leader after leader and in more than 50% of the sessions, this topic comes up. How do I deal with this person? I'm finding it really difficult and, and I just want to find a way that doesn't blow up to do a really, just to have a difficult conversation, to lead them better. How do I do that? There's a three-step process that I outline in this book that I believe can help you. Okay, let's get into today's episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast. Enjoy. Welcome to another Leadership Conversations podcast. I'm Jono White, your host, and I'm so excited for today's guest. Uh, Today we have uh, Craig Handley, who's the CEO of Listen Trust Social Close. Uh, Craig has never been afraid of clowns. He likes clowns. He'll tell you that he's handsome, humble, and smart, and people generally agree that, yes, he is a smart guy, and no, winning second place in the beauty contest in Monopoly does not make you handsome. (laughs) He wrote a best-selling book called Hired to Quit, (laughs) uh, which we're going to chat about, which I'm really excited about, so he's an author, but he really views himself as an entertainer and musician who moonlights as CEO of his $13 to $15 million company, Listen Trust, which was named number one in business products and services, number 27 overall on Inc. Magazine's 500, 5,000 list and employs around 1,000 really awesome people. Welcome, Craig. Hey, man. How are you? Very well. I'm, I'm glad you didn't read the whole, I'm glad you didn't read the whole bio. So <laughs> it's great to have you on here. And uh, just for, uh, I guess, just to kick it off as we were chatting before, do you want to start by telling the story of how you met Richard Branson? Yeah, I can share that story. It, it's usually everybody's favorite story. So <laughs> <clears throat> um, Richard Branson is probably an idol for most entrepreneurs, right? He's such mm-hmm. an amazing human being. And um, and so I always dreamed of meeting him. And I had it on my bucket list. I wrote it down, you know, um, meeting Branson. And I, it was it was one of many things that I thought I'd never be able to do. Um, and I saw that he was speaking in San Francisco at this event, the DMA. And so I went in and the day before he was speaking, I walked around the thing and I did a lot of research and I found out that the security for the event was wearing a certain outfit. So that night I went down to the big and tall and I bought the same outfit that security was wearing and wore it to the show the next day. After Richard spoke, I just simply walked backstage and pretended like I was security. (laughs) And I walked right up to him and handed him my business card with $20 wrapped around it. And I said, Hey, this is the first 20 we're going to make together. And he goes, oh, all right, brilliant. He goes, how are we going to do that? And then I wasn't ready for that answer. So I was like, oh, you know, I'm, I do this marketing and I have a call. So he goes, well, you know, here's my email. And he gave me his private email. Now, the funny thing about this story is, of course, I went to Necker and spent the week there, maybe a few years later. Wow. And I sent him an email saying, hey, I'm coming to Necker. And he goes, oh, great, bring another 20. <laughs> and I was laughing about that. And then when I got to Necker, I said, I was surprised you took my 20. He goes, well, your first lesson on Necker is coming right now. And I said, what's that? He goes, you don't get to be a billionaire without taking people's money. He goes, if it was 20, if it was 200, if it was 2 million, I was taking your check and I was going to put it into my charity. And uh, he goes, yeah, you got to take people's money to be a billionaire. So he goes, uh, 20 bucks or 20 cents. It was going to my pocket. So that, that's my how I met Richard Branson's story is I pretended like I was security and just snuck backstage and... I've been to Necker now, I don't know, four, four to six times. I can't even remember. Now, now I've been often enough that I think of it as a, as a vacation spot for me. Yeah, wow. Incredible. And he's there every time. And he's the same humble human being. He's so cool. 
one of the things, like a lot of people don't know this, but Richard raised a couple of sharks in his saltwater swimming pool. Huh. And so we're standing on the beach. We're all dressed as pirates because it was pirate night. <clears throat> and anybody who's been to Necker knows that, of course, every night is a theme-based night at Necker. <laughs> so you have to bring a lot of you have to bring a lot of friggin' costumes when you go to Necker. Yeah. Um, of course, Richard has all his costumes already on the island. So, uh, but you have to dress up almost every night when you go to dinner. So kind of interesting. But we were having a barbecue out near the beach, and Richard grabbed some chicken off the grill and threw it in the ocean. And then he starts whistling, and then he threw another piece of chicken, in, and I'm like what are you doing? He goes, I'm feeding my sharks. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I look over and sure enough, his whistle and the chicken, two sharks right off the edge of the thing. He goes, yeah, he goes, actually, he goes, I raised them in my pool. He goes, and every morning I swim around the island and the sharks come swim with me around the island. So I don't know how cool you have to be to have two pet (laughs) sharks that live in the ocean and swim with you on your morning swim. But that's how cool Richard Branson is. That's uh oh, that's an awesome story, Craig. Uh, well, tell us. I, I I'm keen to hear a bit more of Craig's story. Tell me, tell me about the the story of how you became a leader. Go back as far as you want, and uh, but I, I'm really keen to hear particularly the specific <laughs> moments that shaped you becoming who you are today. I think the biggest moment is I got bullied a lot in junior high. You wouldn't mm. know it looking at me now because I'm a 300 pound guy and I look strong and big and Yep. But I got that way because I was bullied, you know, and mm. it also puts a chip on your shoulder. Mm. Being liked becomes super important to you. So it, it turned me into somebody who really likes to give to other people. And yep. before I was doing it, because like when I was younger, I used to be a giver and maybe it caused some bad decisions too, because, mm. I, you know, people have to like me. Your brain has three, you know, things it goes into. It's, you know, do you fear it and run from it. Mm. Do you fight with it, you know, or do you, the other F is, is, a, is an expletive, so I won't say it, but, uh, <laughs> but there's three things. It's the three F's that goes on your brain. And yeah. so if somebody didn't like me, my brain triggered this, Hey, you're going to die. They don't like you. Mm. And so I, you know, growing up, I was really sometimes a little bit, you know, out of the box, so to speak. So if someone was on stage yeah. and knew them, I would walk up with a shot of tequila because we were friends and I basically people would be like, who's that guy? And for me, whether it was negative or positive, you know, I thought I was being cool and everybody was amused by me and everybody loved me. Mm. I'm sure looking back at it today, that probably half the audience was like, who's that jerk bringing shots up on stage? You know, I mean, I, I always, growing up, I always want to be like the center of attention, you know, uh, because I was bullied a lot. And, yeah. and of course, I, I don't feel like I have to prove myself anymore. I've done a lot of work on myself, but that's yep. certainly one thing that really put me into the performance path of wanting to be a leader and just wanting to prove myself. I'm worthy of love, right? So you, how do you mm. become worthy of love? You succeed. You have other mm. people look at you as somebody who has succeeded and they respect and admire you. And I'll tell you what, you know, my dad was a cop and he'd arrested some of these kids' dads. Mm. I wasn't fighting back in junior high because there were like 11 kids that were bullying me. Yeah. I mean, I would spend time waiting after school to walk, you know, miles out of my way to try to avoid these kids. Yeah. So it really affected me, you know, and it it turned me into, I think, you know, was it good or bad? I mean, I think everything in life can be good or bad. For me, I used it to really um, try to do something special, you know, try to do something in my life. So, and it kind of started, I I was going to school for music because music's always been my passion. Yeah. 
And uh, I got accepted to Berkeley and Juilliard. Couldn't afford either, so I went in the Army Infantry and slept in the dirt, you know, wore the blue cord. <laughs> and that gave me $750 a month for college, but it wasn't enough to go to Berkeley, which was 29000 a year. Yep. And so I was going to music school for a few years, but I didn't want to be a music teacher. And I don't think there's a lot of music colleges that are set up to help people become rock stars, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, they're mostly right. set up to teach you about sightseeing and ear training. And, you know, if you want to play in the Philharmonic, great. But that wasn't me. I wanted to be a rock star. So as I was going through a couple of years of this, I'm like, Ugh, you know, this is kind of boring. Mm. And uh, I ended up, somebody said, you got the gift of gab. Why don't you try sales? And I ended up being really good at sales. I was in the top 10 in the country selling insurance door to door. And yeah. all of a sudden I was making, you know, a hundred grand a year. And so, you know, for me, I was psyched, but I was working 80 hours a week and I, I, the, the insurance company paid five year residuals. And so at two and a half years with this company, I realized I probably wasn't going to make more than a hundred grand. Yeah. And so I ended up looking for other opportunities, started working with another insurance company, but I tried to open the state of New Hampshire, which mm. was successfully opened by the insurance company and a friend of mine. But while we were waiting for the different unions to give us okays and things, I took a part-time job in a call center. Mm. With my sales skills, I was working 40 hours a week, making 120000 a year instead <laughs> of 80000 So I basically doubled my income, and I was really good at it. Yeah. And so the, the people in the call center were like, could you write a phone script? Yeah. So they basically took what I was saying on the phones because I was so good, and we turned it into a script, which helped the overall company improve their performance. So then I wow. became a scriptwriter or a copywriter. <clears throat> and then um, I became a trainer because I started to train on my process of selling to other people. Mm. <clears throat> and then other people had left and built their own call center. And I ended up training other call centers and becoming copywriters in their center. <laughs> and then I was basically doing it nationally. And then I stumbled into third-party clubs, and like I realized that real estate on the back end of a phone call, I could buy it for a dollar and sell it for three dollars. Mm. So I kind of got in this space of I would say, look, for that minute of phone time that you're paying sixty-nine cents a minute for, I'll give you two bucks. Mm. And then I sold, you know, basically it was read this script, and the script offered people a trial and a service. Yeah. Every time I sold a trial, I would make like twenty dollars. And so basically there was enough money there so that I was able to, you know, do, do a lot of things in that space. Well, I started tying my scripting and training. I'm like, I'm going to give you a new script and training, but you're going to use my third-party offers. And so yeah. I built this little business that started to, you know, we, we did over a million dollars a few times, but it was smaller and it was good. And at some point in building, I ended up starting to build other people's call centers. Mm. And at some point I said, I should just build my own, right? And so... <laughs> I found this little tweak in the FAQs and call centers where, and I don't every system's different, but generally when someone asks a question, there's a button you push and it yeah. takes you to the FAQs. <clears throat> and what I was able to determine through data and analytics was that when somebody goes into an FAQ, the way scripts are written, if I didn't write the script and another company did, the scripts answer the question with an uptone and they go, this is what it is, okay? And they do the uptone. Hmm. And 30% of people after hearing that hang up the phone. 30% of those people call back in an order. And I was like, well, these are broken. The FAQs are broken. Hmm. And so I literally went to one call center and I fixed the FAQs and added 
all I did was change the ending. So based on this information, if you want to go ahead and play shorter, you still need a little bit more information. So instead of using okay with an uptone, which creates this energy around hanging up the phone, I yeah. asked a question that kept people on the phones. We eliminated 30% of calls, you know, which of course that saves everybody a lot of money. We improved yeah. performance along the way. And so I did it at one center. I did it for 50 grand. I went to six, I went to five other centers actually and did the same thing for 50 grand. And within 30 days, I created about 300,000. And that's when I opened my call center, Listen Trust. Wow. And of course, I had enough money to, we were 20 seats inside of another call center. <clears throat> and uh, we got lucky. I think, well, skill and luck, we, uh, you know, went from 20 seats to 50 to, we stumbled into a client who was having a lot of success mm. and uh, ended, up, ended up going up, you know, from there to, to 250 seats to, to 550 seats. Wow. And we did that all within a short period of time and ended up making Inc. 500's fastest growing private companies. Mm. We were number 27 overall on the full list. We were number one in the category of business products and services. Yeah. And of course, that business has been around for 14 years now. And I retired. That business still exists. I kind of retired from it a few years ago. I still do board calls and whenever it gets into trouble, I jump in. But mm -hmm. uh, for the most part, it runs pretty smoothly without me. And yep. that's when I started to... I started to write a lot more music, but I also wanted to brand myself. And that's when I built a social media company. Originally, I just hired two people to support me. Yep. And I have a pretty good reputation in business. And somebody was posting, when I started to do research on, the, on how to do social media, there was a company that they were going to charge me $7,500 for creating content. You know, and mm. different, you know, different content's going to be created for... YouTube is different from Instagram, which is different from TikTok, which is different from Facebook. The yeah. formats are different, and the way you put subtitles on is different. And <clears throat> you can see it. Like some people will do subtitles and they'll put it for YouTube, and then when they share it to Instagram, like all the subtitles are cut off. Yeah, yeah. that's the cheap <laughs> way of doing it. Um, but I wanted to do it right, and so I was looking. That company was going to charge seventy five hundred. Someone would do my LinkedIn. They were going to charge me five thousand a month. Podcast for three thousand. Someone would post and post the content that was created on my different channels and they'd engage in conversation. They wanted five grand a month. And I'm like, this is crazy. This is like $25,000 a month to brand Craig Andy. Yeah. So I hired two people in Mexico to do it for me. Yeah. I was paying them $1,200 a month mm -hmm. and it was working. And a friend of mine posted on Facebook, I wish I could find a company that could do all these things for me and I didn't have to pay 20 grand a month. It was literally what I went through. Mm. And so I replied and I put, well, I built it for me, but it's not a business. There were so many people that put following, following, following. Six of them reached out directly when I posted that and said, would you try it for me? Wow. <laughs> well, okay, I'll try it. Those six people referred three or more people who referred more people. Eight months in, I have 49 clients, 30 more waiting to start as I'm building my team. Yeah. And uh, it's just, it's, it's approaching 750,000. It's just grown. Meanwhile, all I really want to do is write music. But, you know, I keep building businesses, so... <laughs> um, and the social media team is really cool because we've combined call center with social media. Mm. And so now I've even got like big brands, big brands that work as sponsors with big events like music festivals and things like that. Yep. My team does a great job of being the conduit between who posts the content, anybody who gives a like, a comment or a share. My team's job is to engage with those people 20 times. The reason I use 20 yeah. is the average person buys something 15 to 25 
impressions creates a buyer. And wow. so my team has become experts in taking people from engagement to transaction. How do you do that? I'm particularly thinking, say there's a leader listening who has been me, hitting me, their me, head against the wall. Let me give you a specific market. example. Specific. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, we work with a whiskey brand, for example. And we've created some amazing content for this whiskey brand. And, uh, and so when somebody likes, just a thumbs up, my team will say, hey, thanks for liking that video. By the way, we'd love to send you absolutely free a PDF of some of the best whiskey recipes we've curated from some of the top bartenders around the globe. We'd love to give it to you for free. Would that be okay? Well, yeah, everybody says yes. Yeah, we send them the thing and we say, by the way, just so you know, I mean, some of these recipes are great. My favorite might be this one right here. We just... Look, we don't try to sell them something right away. We try to engage and create relationships. A brand yeah. needs to create a relationship with somebody. A lot of people think you can walk up to a girl in a bar and ask her to go home with you, but you're better off if you try to talk to her a little bit first, right? And that's what we're trying to do is create a relationship. And so after we create this relationship with them, maybe it's the second message, maybe it's the third, the fourth, the fifth, but as soon as it feels like the timing's right, part of our funnel is, hey, by the way, if you're going to create a great whiskey drink, why don't you try ours? You like the video? Here's a coupon, and we send them out a trackable coupon to in order to create engagement and turn that engagement into an actual transaction. Yeah. And uh, another example is when we do restaurants. We work with a ton of restaurants in our space. Yeah. <clears throat> we help them. We help them grow their audience through Facebook groups and through Instagram, creating more followers. Yeah. Of course, using zip codes, you know, to, to try to work within a radius. Once they join and like our group. Once they have a conversation with us or engage with us, we offer a $50 coupon to the restaurant for 40 bucks and a $100 coupon for 75 yeah. And so we basically pre-sell meals. Mm. And then there's other things. Like we, we ask every customer through the group, you know, hey, what was your best experience at such and such? Such a video, best winner, you know, the best video gets 100 bucks. And then... Um, and then... Um, and then the uh, and then we do like we did a contest with schools. Why does this restaurant have the best pizza? We called all the local schools and set it up like a March Madness Final Four. The AV department would talk to their football team and the basketball team and say, "Hey, we're doing a contest, and you know the best video wins a pizza party." And so we ended up getting so much amazing content that we used to grow the audience. And then once we grow the audience, we offer them the coupons. And, and so it's, it's, look, it's finding ways to take it beyond engagement, but doing it in a way that doesn't make you dirty. So like we're working with uh, the big, this big music festival. My team with the music festival, we engage with both the sponsor and the bands. And so there's 600 bands at this music festival that we're doing next April. Yeah. So we're engaging with both the bands and the sponsors. We ensure that there's content being created that basically sits in the middle. So We'll put together, like, this is my marketing brain. I put together kind of an ad that says, hey, this year we're, you know, let's, we don't work with Michelob beer, but let me just use an example. <clears throat> this year we part, you know, Michelob has partnered with the, with the Mesa, Arizona Film Festival, Music Festival, and we're proud to sponsor this event. There's over 600 bands. Here's some of our favorites. And, you know, maybe it's just a piece of content where we then, then promote some of the bands. Well, then the bands say, hey, we're proud to, be coming to the Mesa Arizona Music Festival, and certainly, you know, uh, a pleased to be able to have a Michelob, 
you know, uh, when we're done with our set, you know, and so we get that message and then we promote it. And we, so we make sure that there's communication. When somebody likes the thing, the team goes and continues another conversation. Hey, thanks for liking the video. We'd love to get you, uh, you know, some, some information on how to, you know, get Michelob beer for uh, at a discount or maybe it's a jewelry brand or, a, you know, maybe alcohol is not the right, the best example, but it doesn't matter. We're really just trying to create these conversations uh, around yeah. the brands and the fans. So look at the NFL, you know, uh, or Major League Baseball. Today, fans engage with content, but who's in there when somebody engages with someone? Mm. Who's in there saying, you know, hey, you know, uh, thanks for liking AT&T. You know, do you have an AT&T phone? Or, you know, we're just trying to be friendly with people. And yeah. how do we create sales? If you look at the history of the psychology of selling, yeah. 15 to 25 impressions creates a transaction in most cases. I love so that. So my team is wow. just designed to have conversations with people. <laughs> and, uh, and so, like I said, nobody's doing what I'm doing because nobody has thought. Like I had the call center, you know, yeah. so nobody's really thought of the best approach to all of this. So, uh, I, I, so we've grown so fast and there's, again, so many, like I worked with an influencer who was getting 10 grand a month to create stupid videos. Yeah. Well, those things sometimes get a million views. You know, some of these dumb influencers, but how many sales does a million views generate with an influencer? Mm. Maybe 12, 15, you know, 50. But we're but now we worked with an influencer and we were able to do 50,000 in revenue, where before wow. they were doing nothing. Yeah. So now right. they're engaged with the same brand and they're doing, and of course they're getting 25,000 instead of 10. So yeah. I have 600 influencers through a, through a company. There's 600 influencers that want to partner with social clothes. To help them increase revenue for the brand sponsors they work with because that increases their ability to get paid. And I'm like, okay, 600 of you? No, like, give me five. Like, I'm working with the company, like, let's line up five people and let's start small. And then, I, and so it's, you know, and, and this company's new. So I'm in the process of saying, do I want to raise money for this company to build it faster? Do I not want to do that? Do I want to yeah. It? That's right. It's a lot of questions. Do I want to run it on the ICS market and turn it into a a blockchain-based product. Mm. I don't know. You know, uh, I'm not sure. And then, of course, on the music side, you know, I'm, I'm yes. a big dreamer on music. Yeah. And so I can't help but like I want to. I want to build Spotify. Is great for music fans, but if you're an artist, they pay you point zero zero four cents. It's under a penny. Point zero zero four cents per stream. The zero zero four cents gets split between the record label. And the writers. So if I'm a writer on a record, mm. <clears throat> now if I paid for it, I might own 100% of the master, unless I work with a record label who might take a percentage of the master. But on the production side, you're talking about maybe there's three uh, writers and a guy who created the production around it. And, you know, and, and so a lot of times you're splitting that 0.004 cents six ways. Wow. And so in my head, like I've started to, I wrote a record and uh, it's for, and because um, I'm doing the social media for Miss America with their candidates. And, uh, and so when I was looking at it, I had an artist who's creating digital NFTs. He's creating paintings of the candidates, which can be auctioned off. Mm -hmm. And then there's a physical NFT. And the artist, I took 50% of whatever revenue comes in, and I basically split it up based on the split sheet of the artist. I believe I can build a model where I can pay over a penny a stream, which might mm. put me in a position to compete with like Spotify. 
Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So I got all these big ideas. I got all these big ideas of how to, you know, how to create more revenue around products and services. Um, my brain works in kind of crazy ways. And uh, of course, through the social media plan with the record I wrote, I've got 51 women who are going to be competing for the Miss America crown in December. All 51 of them will be promoting my record. And in 2022, it starts over with 4,000 candidates. Yeah. And uh, and they're all fairly influential on social media. Some of them have mm. bigger audiences than others, but yeah. Uh, but it's pretty interesting, you know. To have that allows me to promote it on TikTok, to do duets, you know, to um, to do cover contests where whoever sings the cover the best wins some money. Or there's a lot of ways to market things. And so uh, yeah, I, don't know, I think I, the question you asked was like like 25 minutes ago. I'm sorry, I've been rambling. So let me. No, no, it's that. Uh, no, and, it's uh, great. It's great, Craig. I want to ask you about. I want to ask you more about marketing because I, I love the the fifteen to twenty five impressions for a sale is just <coughs> genius. I, I I completely agree. And uh, so say say a leader of um uh you know a, a business that's got a couple of hundred staff and they're looking at sales, scratching their head, going how do I how do we how do we take our marketing to another level? And you're sitting down over a coffee with them. What what, what do you what do you say for like I'm particularly interested. What do you see right now that companies, not just small, uh, like the whole spectrum? What do you see that the biggest mistakes are they're making in marketing? And what would be your your top advice to uh, to leaders, whether they're mark, whether they've been well, the in marketing before or not? So for me, and this is like when I retired from my call center, I'm part of this group Genius Network, and their model is you charge ten thousand dollars a day. You've succeeded. You have nothing left to prove. Mm. You've learned through the years. You've gone to the college through the School of Hard Knocks. I've been involved <laughs> in turnarounds. I've been involved in building culture. I am at this point in my life a pretty smart guy, mm. right? Just turned 50, so now now I'm finally smart. And <laughs> I've, I've invested in myself. I have great relationships, and I know a lot. So the model that this company used was charge $25,000 a day or $10,000. And I started doing that a little bit. You know, I'm like, okay. Mm-hmm. But I realized that a lot of people look at marketing kind of the same way I look at chemistry. You know what I mean? I'm like, if I tried to build out a formula, to, if I was trying to cure COVID, <clears throat> I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Well, a lot of people look at marketing the same way. Yeah, true. And, uh, and so I was like, huh. And so part of my consulting training was, and this was as I was doing the social media just for me, yeah. right? I was like, look, here's 70% of what people should do is probably the same. 30% mm. is unique to the business. Sure. And so for me, the, the first step is create amazing content, right? Mm. And get that content on a regular basis through social media. Mm. If you start out with Facebook ads or Google ads or YouTube ads <clears throat> or the affiliate space, a lot of people start in the affiliate space because you're paying a percentage of revenue. Yeah. Well, that's all fine and dandy. But if you're in the affiliate space paying out 50% of your revenue, you're missing a ton of revenue that you could be creating because there's a certain percentage of people that will look for you on social media. Yes. And if you have a good content around your social media, not everybody being marketed to through Facebook, through, you know, through YouTube, through Google ads, through YouTube ads, through affiliate marketing, a good percentage of those people aren't going to buy initially. They need 15 to 25 impressions. Yeah. But a lot of them will go and, and start to check you out. And if I can get those people to check me out, and maybe they'll give us a follow. We can then take the next six months and create relationships with those people, which would lower our cost of acquisition, our CAC, 
Yeah. And so, um, um, and so essentially my philosophy has always been take 60 days and really get your social media tight, really mm. understand what your messaging is, make sure your colors and your branding is all strong. Mm-hmm. Everything looks similar. So people can see when it's you, like, you know, it's the same blue background with the, you know, if, if you're posting things, make sure it's similar to what you've posted in the past. Yeah. And try to make sure that you've got a good plan for your social media. So if somebody does come in through an affiliate channel or through an ad, you don't have to pay 25 times for someone to see your ads. That's how it used to be. When you used to run TV media, Mm. you used to have to run media for basically six to eight weeks on TV before somebody would see you once or twice. And Mm. then they'd have to see the ad over and over. Yeah. And, And so what I was really excited about was, hey, this is an opportunity for people to see one ad on TV and then the next, you know, 15 to 24 are free. I don't have to pay for those impressions because they're, mm. they're looking for me now. Have and you, so I could hire a call center team that could help people get to those impressions and then we'll buy Google ads and Facebook ads and affiliate marketing and YouTube yes. ads because now you've got all this additional traffic, but you don't have to pay for that additional traffic once they come in and they start following you. I'm interested to know what you. So I believe I believe social say. media lowers cost of acquisition by like 300 to 500 percent. Really good social media, and, and I know how to do Facebook ads, and I know how to do. I'm a smart guy. I know all those things, and I want to do those things. I want to spend a hundred thousand dollars a month, but I my average client gives me five grand a month, and I give them everything they need on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, Facebook, uh, whatever they need, LinkedIn. <laughs> I mean, I do all of that with them. I create their content. I have the communication. My team engages with people. You know, the number, of course, the level of engagement is based on the amount they pay. So I do have clients that are paying me 10000 a month and others that are paying two. Yeah. But basically, most people that start to engage want more of the one-on-one communication. Mm-hmm. And so that's where they end up spending. Some people go to seven because they charge like an extra two grand for every group of, you know, it's... It's like a, like a buffet, but I'm really <laughs> trying to give away $20,000 of the value for five grand. Yeah. That's, that's what great. I'm trying to do for people. I want to help a lot of people. I, I mean, I'm okay with making small margins and helping a million people, you know? Mm. And some people believe that they could make a million dollars and help 10 people. And they're absolutely right. That is a model that works. It's mm. just not my model. I want to help. Again, this goes back to being bullied as a kid. The more people I help, the more people like me, the better I feel about myself. So, <laughs> so, you know. Yeah. But I think I figured out a way to really reward myself. What I do now is instead of the $10,000 days, I have them hire my social media company for a 90-day contract. Yeah. And once they've been with us for 60 days, then I sit down with them and I build up the rest of the year for free. And if they decide to leave me in 90 days, I can hand in the marketing plan, say thank you, and move on. But statistically, most people, almost all of our clients have stayed because wow. I give a lot of value and I yeah. know a lot of things. And so at, the, at that 60 to 90 day mark, they're getting that $10,000 meeting, but they've already, for me, they've already paid for it. Mm. And now they're in a position to be able to execute on my yes. advice. Most yeah. of the time when I met with people, they just didn't have a clue and they weren't going to execute. I was going to take their money and they were going to basically not get any value. And I don't, I don't believe in not giving value to somebody um, and taking their money. I just, I don't want to be that guy. So mm. that's, um, 
that's really that's really profound. I I, I, uh, I can hear the strategy with how you do that. Um, I, I want to ask you about creating great content. What what makes great content? Uh, see, for me, it's easy. <laughs> but when people look at my content, I'll give you an example. So Jonathan Sanger is a movie director who did all the Mission Impossible movies. Yeah. Mars Callahan, the pool hall junkies. They've become very good friends of mine. Why? Because Mars originally called me, Mars Callahan originally called me to do some, he and Jonathan built this thing called, um, it was like cars and films, boats and films. It was really just, you know, through the pandemic, finding places to create movies was getting more and more difficult. So they created this database where if you own a boat for a hundred bucks a year, you put it in the database. If they're going to film a movie called Miami Vice or do the TV series over again, which is all the TV series in the 80s are getting done over again, right? I'm surprised <laughs> yeah. we don't have a new Bionic Man again, but everything gets redone. <laughs> yeah. And so Miami Vice, and you have a boat in Florida, and you're not making money with your boat. If you put it in a film, you know, even if they destroy your boat, they'll buy your boat from you or buy you a new boat. And so it's just, I'm like, you know, for hundred bucks. So he wanted me to use my call center to yeah. do stuff. But in researching me, he saw some of the music videos I've done mm. and some of the production that I've created for my businesses. And he was like, dude, he goes, that video you put together? He goes, what did that cost you, like 10000 He goes, I can tell you that that video was more well done than a $150,000 video that I've seen on the space. He goes, you truly talented will put this together. And the funny thing was the video he was talking about cost me three grand, not 10. <laughs> so I've just, I've always been super creative, which is the musical side. Yeah. And this is, like I said, this is the 30% that nobody else can give them but me. I work with Grammy award winning. I'm a co-writer with a lot of Grammy award winning writers. And yeah. so I can put my head together and write a cute jingle. And then my brain somehow just, it's not always me. I've got a great team, mm. but I'm always looking for ways to create engaging content. So what mm. is great content? Content that creates engagement. It has a little bit of humor in it. Mm. Um, you know, it's, it's eye catching. And I, I, I don't know, we've done it over and over again. We've put together cool videos that tell an origin story or I've just had a lifetime of learning through yeah. Genius Network, through Mavericks, through I've been involved in a lot of different organizations and I've learned from people so much smarter and more, you know, than me. I've been blessed. And, uh, and, so I've, and so my team takes on my persona in a lot of cases and I love hiring crazy creatives. And, uh, and so that's, I think when I say good content, it's, it doesn't always work, but, um, it's trial and error. But for the most part, I've been able to write a cool jingle or, you know, I, I mean, an example was I wrote a jingle for, um, a big client who has a coffee business yeah. and he posted it and it got several hundred thousand views in a couple of days mm. went viral. And, uh, we said, hey, you know, um, anybody who we used bots for this because it was too big. Yeah. So on Facebook, when anybody liked the video, a, a computer, an AI would come in and say, hey, thanks for liking the video. Because you liked our video, save 15% at you know, www.whatever.com. Use coupon code and uh, we called it grass-fed beets, B-E-E-T-S, grass-fed beets. We kind of just screwed up with the... But it was just this this jingle that I put together, and people loved it. And it ended up creating. He paid me like fifteen grand on top of the monthly fees for the jingle, and uh, it did over a million dollars. It did over a million dollars in revenue. Wow! So um, 
Yeah, and I and, and not every see the, the thing is a lot of people look at content and go, like I tested this dog food ad I worked and they actually bought media for it. Yeah. And the non jingle worked better in sending it to a landing page. But in creating engagement, I had a, it was a dog food and it's a bunch of puppies. And so everybody clicked on it and loved it and got millions of views. Yes. When my team got involved in the social media start and create conversations around it and explained a little bit about the nutritional value of the dog food, getting paid as an affiliate, I was making 80000 a month with this brand. I could have probably made more if I focused on it. Yeah. Whereas when he tested it head-to-head against his puppy, it didn't perform as well because it just went straight to landing page. Yeah. And so part yeah. of it is in understanding the strategy of what I'm trying to create. I'm not trying to create a sales performance product. I'm trying to create a product that creates engagement. And then from there, I want to have conversations with people that lead to a transaction. But the way I do things, hey, it may take me two months to get that sale. But I'll tell you what, I'm getting a hell of a lot more impressions than any ad anybody else throws out there and pays for. Yeah, you know, true. Even if it takes a couple of months to get that sale. Um, they're now, they're a follower for life. You know, they're going to follow us forever if, once I get them in the door. And that's what cool content does. And that's how it lowers your cost of acquisition. Does that make sense? Um, yeah. If, if the, so I, I've talked to a lot of leaders who, who have tried this, but have really gotten stuck. What, what, where would you start if someone's saying, yeah, but that obviously this is something that's got an element of experience and also there's maybe some natural ability with it. If someone's really struggled with it and hasn't been able to create great content, what might be the the really simple first small step to just start getting some getting some good stuff up for their for their brand? I'd recommend look at I I would say that if they know I mean there's a lot of musicians, a lot of great writers. Find mm. somebody who's creative like that and have a conversation with them. I work with a group called the Billboard Five Hundred. Mm. And there's about 300 people in the group. They're all amazing artists and writers. And maybe 100 of them are so dedicated that they're on phones together all day. I mean, I'm, I'm working with these people. I'm writing five records a week with these folks. Wow. And uh, when I talk to them about being creative and stuff, they all have that creative gene. And a lot of creatives are easily misunderstood. So find the guy that's creative and crazy, you know, has got the off-the-wall ideas, and, uh, and, and have a conversation. I have yeah. a team now that looks for affiliate. We look for affiliate deals yeah. and I say, okay, let's, let's get paid as an affiliate. Let's write a jingle for this and I'll buy the media. And usually, you know, I'm, we make bank, we split the money. We make a, we make more money on stupid jingles through affiliate deals than some of these people make writing, you know, writing records for artists and things like that. I mean, it's just, so I think that the thing I would do is find somebody, if somebody's struggling with it, it means they're just not, don't try to do something you're not good at. Find somebody who's good at being creative yeah, and can come up with some crazy things like that. And, uh, and, then, and then offer to hire them or work with them. Um, pretty simple. Uh, I'm creating a business called Executive Raps. We interview CEOs and authors, yeah. and I charge seven grand to do it, and we write a jingle based on the interview. And it's kind of like Goldcast, right? I mean, you basically put this, put this stuff together in a website yeah. And instead of listening to someone speak, you're listening to an artist. And you could listen to the interview because I have a behind the scenes. Yeah. But you could look at the interview and then look at the jingle that's created from it and, uh, and then say, oh, wow, you know, this is pretty cool. You know, so um, I did one for Dave Asprey, you know, who's part of uh, Bulletproof Coffee. And yeah. I basically helped him launch two books. He was launching his second book. Um, 
which was called Headstrong. Mm. And so I wrote this, this, I interviewed him and I turned the interview into, and then I sat down with Dave and I had him sing some of the lines in the record. I, his responses, I put it, he can't rap by the way, but I put him in a studio and had him <laughs> read the lines and then we used editing to try to make it sound good. But it was like, so Dave, what's your story? What makes you so rad? Cause bulletproof sounds like a quick fix fad. Want to be healthy and I want to be lean. Want to be a lean, mean fight machine. So many struggles trying to understand, Dave, how the hell do you come up with a plan? And then Dave goes, well, I'm bulletproof, not the man of steel. It's just an average man who's keeping it real. Biohacking, promoting growth, shortcuts to health. Now that's my oath. You know, and, and so he puts that line. And then, and then I go back to seeing, you know, you know, uh, headstrong, my brain keeps spinning. So many things that keep me from winning. And it's just, you know, it's just basically it's an interview about his book, Headstrong. But I put it to music with a great beat behind it. And, uh, and a little rap song, and it's cool as hell. And, uh, and so it's fun. And it gets so many impressions, you know, that type of stuff. We have, actually haven't posted that yet. Dave, Dave uh, hasn't posted it yet, but, uh, but we will soon because it's, it's done. That's, but, you know, um, uh, yeah. So. Brilliant. Uh, I, I was just going to say that just I think that get high engagement. I think you've hit the nail on the head for, for, for someone out there who's really struggled, particularly when they've tried and tried, and, and, and maybe they just need to realize that creating really great engaging content isn't something that they're natural at then find someone around you who is super creative and they'll they'll often be you know sort of your the yin to your yang you know they might come alongside you and then uh, they can really take what you're doing and find a way to make it really creative create engaging content I, I feel like people play it too safe when it when it comes to social media that would be I I feel like leaders go way too risk you know risk averse and 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 the problem is that if it's bland, um, then you just you, you it's so forgettable and you just it has to be engaging it has to be something and I I think you said a few really great things there about about how to make it engaging so um, it's the same in most businesses right it's not just with creativity it's I've had a business partner for twenty years and we've gotten along great and. I'm the super creative and, and he's always been great at some of the things I'm not great at, but yeah. we have the same values. Yeah. I write about that in my book, Hired to Quit. I talk a little bit about how to have a successful partnership and mm. what to look for in a partner. And really it's look for someone who loves to do the things you hate to do, but make <laughs> sure you have the same values. Make sure you're aligned in your values. Make sure your, your, your culture and your core values are the same. Yeah. But you guys can do different things. And we've gotten in trouble before as partners because there are times when he resents the fact that I'm the creative fun one. He's the serious operations guy. And so he's like, you know, I want to be sales and marketing and fun. And okay, give it a shot. I tried to do some operations. I mean, I'm yeah. good at operations and he's good at it, but I'm not great at it and I don't love it. Yeah. So I don't do it anymore, you know, and, and he's the same way, you know, he's, and, uh, and so, yeah, yeah it's uh, just, it's the same in any business. Find out what you don't like to do and don't do it. Make a list <laughs> of the things you don't like and yeah. say, I'm not doing these things anymore. Yeah, that's <laughs> sit in sit in your space where you're amazing. That's all. Where where are you amazing? I'm an amazing copywriter, songwriter, and marketing guy. Yeah. And uh, and then I'm 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 really good with culture turnarounds, you know, hiring things like that. But but I'm good at those things. But I don't think I'm the best. I think there's people who might be better. But I, mean, I certainly have helped people build cultures. Like especially if you look at my book, Hired to Quit, where I I, I mean I literally train my employees to quit. And help them with their side hustle, and um, yeah, you know, and then help them turn it into a job. So I've certainly built an amazing culture in my business. Maybe one that 
rivals like a Zappos or, uh, you know, some of these other big, big agencies. But, um, but again, you know, I did that with a lot of help. So, yeah. Well, tell, tell, tell me a little bit more about the book, unpack the, uh, the book, <laughs> you know, in a little more detail for people who might be, Hmm, that sounds really interesting. Hired to quit. Uh, because I, I think it, it sounds really interesting. A lot of things come from your childhood, right? I, I wanted to go to Berkeley College of Music. My parents didn't have the money for it, so I joined the Army. And so I was looking at, I think everybody should live their passion. I think we all have a purpose, and a lot of us know what it is. We just don't know how to get there. Yeah. So one day I was training my employees, and I was trying to explain to them the better they are on the phones, the more calls they get, the more calls they get, the more money they make, and they can quit sooner. And they're like, what do you mean? I said, well, you all have a passion. None of you wanted to be a call center agent. What is it? And as I started talking about passions, I'm so good with, like, if you put me on a call, a Zoom call with 100 people, I could probably help all 100 people move forward in their career just by having an individual conversation with them. Mm. So I had a lawyer taking phone calls. We were, you know, people who want to join a class action suit. We take about 20,000 calls a week. We hired a lawyer who wanted to be hired by a law firm, but nobody was hiring. And, you know, you can go in and be an intern or be a junior lawyer and spend 11, 12, 15 years working 80 hours a week to become a partner. But yeah. I said, well, you're here taking phone calls. I said, why don't you try this? Why don't you start up a podcast? And why don't you interview all these lawyers? And in every interview, talk about their specialties, but then say to them at the end of the call, by the way, before I let you go, where do you think the biggest weakness uh, is here in Hermosillo in, uh, in helping in supporting people in the legal space? And so he asked that question after four months of interviews. He knew every lawyer in town. He knew what the weakness was. He was making pretty good money as an agent, so he ended up renting a place, hanging out a shingle. Then he called all of his partners that he had he helped promote them through the podcast. And yeah. he said, hey, I just hung out a shingle, and I was specializing in this, which you had mentioned was the whole. And it took him about three weeks before he needed to hire people to help support him. Wow. So not only was he a partner in the business, he was the owner. And he did it all in six months. <laughs> Why would you spend 15 years doing something when you do it in six months? <laughs> you know? And, and so I started... My, my COO was making 300 grand a year. And he goes, Craig, I'm drinking the Kool-Aid. I said, what do you mean? He goes, I'm going to quit in January. This was in November. Yeah. He goes, I'm going to give you a couple of months. Said, what are you doing? He goes, I'm going to buy a golf course. I've always wanted to buy a golf course. <laughs> now he's buying his second golf course. Wow. You know, and, and so when people start to pursue their passion, they get super excited, super engaged. And believe it or not, most people that are following their passion end up being super successful. Yeah, you know, they just right. need a little help. Yes. And so that's what my book is about. It's called Hired to Quit. I helped hundreds and hundreds of people in my company quit until they <laughs> said to me, Craig, you need to quit. Your passion is music. Get out of here. Hire an operations person and leave. Yeah. You're a hypocrite. It was my COO, the guy making 300 grand a year, who basically <laughs> said, and then my other employees were like, yeah, you're right. Why are you doing this? <laughs> that's so you good. You definitely need to get the hell out of here. And so I did. I, you know, and I've been doing a lot of different things. I do marketing and music, and guess what? I love them both. I could do it 24 hours a day. I don't even get sleep or eat or nothing when I'm talking about marketing and music. Yeah, yeah, I, I can tell, and I, and I love it. Um, it we have, we've talked a bit about music, but I'm interested to know what, what does music look like for you now because you've obviously created space to be able to chase that. You talked about the jingles and, and, uh, and writing records, but what? What are you most passionate about with music? Do you have any favorite projects that you're working on at the moment? Well, writing a record for the Miss America pageant this year, after 100 years, their message is positive body image. 
Mm-hmm. They've no longer, um, they got rid of the swimsuit competition. No longer will a woman, you know, a 20 year old girl walk across stage half naked in front of 3.5 million people mm. that watch the Miss America pageant and have to basically prove that she's sexy enough to win a $15,000 scholarship. Yeah. There's a lot more emphasis on merit in the Miss America pageant now. Mm. And so a friend of mine, Jonathan Baylor, who runs a company called um, Sane Solution, he created a movie called Better with Harvard. Mm. And it's all about getting healthier, being better. Yeah. And so we had the idea that the whole message this year for young women is you need to love yourself the way that you are, but mm. it's okay to want to be better. Mm. Right. And so mm-hmm. the record that I wrote is just really, so the lyrics are like, um, growing up, it was hard to let go of the imperfections that started to show. I tried to change my hair and change my clothes and I get stuck with the voices in my head. And I think of all the nasty words that I've said, and I'd never talked to anyone else that bad. And so I need to accept that I'm perfect just the way I am. And I'm going to do everything that I can. And the hook is to love me better, Mm. to love me better. Because every single day I need to be the one that I choose. Yeah. Right. I'll love me better because I got me forever. And when I bet on me, then I can't ever lose. So I'm going to love me better. (laughs) And so I put this record together and, uh, I'm actually talking to like some big artists like Alicia Keys and Lizzo and, you know, some wow. medium-sized artists like uh, Mickey Guyton, who's an up-and-coming Nashville country artist. And, uh, you know, I'm trying to find the right person to sing this record. Yeah. And it's going it's gonna to make a huge impression on young women all over the world when this record gets out there. I am positive that this record's a home run. Really positive. And, uh, and I did a song for Doritos. And it's, it's funny. I didn't plan on doing a video. They wanted a song. And so I wrote the record and I heard they love the record, but I was talking to somebody about it and played it. And I said, can you hear how the instrumentals is like a, a big marching band? Like it, it actually has a whistle. It goes like the big whistle. And yeah. then it just has the drums from the marching band. It's, you know, and it's, it sounds like a marching band in there. And my buddy's like, you know, he goes, I went to uh, Norwich university, yeah. which is the oldest military academy in the country. And he goes, I bet they, I bet they like diving into this project. And I'm like, yeah, right, whatever. Okay. Well, next thing you know, I'm actually, he goes, hey, can you join in this, jump on this call right now? I'm like, sure. It was like a, it wasn't Zoom, but it was another video platform, yeah. WebEx or something. I don't know. So he, he ties me to the Zoom call and all of a sudden I'm, I'm actually on the phone with the president of the university, the general that heads up the drill team, the general that heads up the, <laughs> the marching bit. They're like, we'd love to make this our, our first quarter project. Wow. And so on October 2nd, I went to Norwich University in Vermont and I brought my video team up and some drones and basically the band, I sent them a score and Mm. the band learned the piece and they marched out on the field playing the record. We played it over the loudspeakers at the football field and the drill team spun their guns to it and we had a full-size Doritos costume and I brought 75 bags of Doritos that we kind of spread around to the people and I created a video and I haven't finished the editing yet. But I'm mm. now going to send the song with the video to Doritos. And guess what? It's everything Doritos would ever want in a commercial. Mm. Mm. It's the <laughs> oldest military academy in the world Wow! promoting Doritos with a record. And the lyrics for the Doritos record are, I'm a classic and you know this, right? And the song's called Back for More. So the hook's <laughs> like, you know, everyone keeps coming, coming. Everyone keeps coming. Back for more. 
right? And it's, yeah. it's just this whole song about how Doritos is a classic. Yeah, yeah. And, and you got to come back for more. And the drum beats and just it, the whistle and just everything about this speaks to what Doritos has done in their commercials and their ads. So I'm, and you know what? Not everything works out. There's a chance that maybe they don't like it. Mm. But I go into everything at 150%, go big or go home. Yeah. And I believe that everything I do is going to happen. And by having that belief, it's 75% of it happens. Yeah, wow, 75%. I can't, I can't believe it sometimes where, you know, I go into something like this is going to happen. And, and sometimes the work quality is so good. Even if you're going to something like it, it's going to go viral. There's no doubt in my mind that this thing will go viral. You know, so... Um, with music, I get really excited. I get excited about hacking, like the record labels. I don't know that I need it, right? So I don't want to pay 40% for a record label. Mm. I don't. But, but I get pretty excited about the idea of hiring. So I, I talk to some dancers, you know, they've got a really following. Mm. And I'm like, what if I give you 2% to create a TikTok or a reel? And, uh, and then I'm going to pay it based on their audience. We get 500000 bucks up front. And then I'm actually going to cut it in. I'm going to cut it on the master of the record. They're going to own two percent of this record. So if they help promote it, the bigger, the more they promote it, the more money they're going to make. Plus, I have an artist that's coming in to paint a picture of them promoting this song with my record in the background, which makes it completely unique in an NFT. Mm -hmm. And so now we can auction off the NFT, and they're going to make money on the NFT as well. So I give the dance group twenty percent of the revenue on the NFT. Right, so what I did was I gave two percent to ten different dance groups. So I gave away twenty percent of the record. Mm. I they all have over a million followers. I am going to get more marketing than a record label could ever produce, for, which they charge me forty percent, and they don't even right. put my record on the shelf and not even market it. Yeah, so I'm like, this great. is so stupid. I am going to work directly with these dancers. I did the same thing with, like I said, when I was contacting Jonathan Sanger, and I just started going through LinkedIn using my team to reach out to directors, saying, "Hey." Um, if you send me the score, I have a group of writers. We're going to write music specific to your TV show or your movie. And I'm going to give you, because it's your score, we're going to basically take from your score to create the lyrics and the song structure. So we're going to give you 20% of this record as the director. So when you win your Oscar, you can also win your Grammy. And they're like, yeah, this is great. And so I'm like, I mean, I work with some state agencies too. But at the same point, I'm like, I don't need to. I've got 12 TV shows I can write for right now. You yeah, know? that's right. And, and a yeah. lot of it's really interesting. So with music, I get really excited. I'm actually like, with music, I believe I can build it a competitor to Spotify. How? Because I'm tying NFT revenues into the music streaming business. And so maybe I could pay a penny a stream instead of 0.04 cents. Uh, I want to build a writing retreat in Costa Rica for writers to come down. And I'll invite them to stay for free. But what I do is I charge, I charge a percentage of, I own part of the master if they come to my retreat and write their music there. Yeah, cool. So um, there's a business model. There's a business model around all this, and uh, so I get really excited about the, the the ability for my brain to adapt my my entrepreneurial side with my musical passion. Um, and I haven't look. I've written. I'm writing five records a week. I have not released any of them because I'm building up my library, and because of my marketing experience. So one of my friends called, and. A big name rap artist, I mean, one of the biggest in the world. He calls and he says, You gotta meet my friend Craig. He's an amazing marketing guy, knows more about business. He's gonna make you so much money in your businesses that you're not gonna know what to do with it. And he's a great writer. And and I guess yeah. the psychology around that is 
he says, well, great. If Craig can help me with my businesses, I can help him with music. And I think a lot of people are reluctant to take from people. Mm. Right? And so that type of introduction puts yeah. me in a position where I can help them and they know that they can accept my help because they can help me. Yeah, and, right. and so I've, I'm, I'm pretty good at the networking side of things. And, yeah. uh, and I'm a giver. I want to give first. I don't want to take from anybody anything. But I want to be able to help them understand that once I give to them, that there's ways that they can help me. And that I would certainly appreciate it, but it's never required. I don't ever, some of these guys I've worked with in helping them get into marketing spaces, I don't even tell them a writer. I wait for somebody else to tell them. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I, I do love to write. If you want to hear something, I can play it. And mm -hmm. they're like, yeah, they always say yes. And then when I play a record, they go, play another one. Play another one. Play another one. But they go, oh, my God, you're so good at this. <laughs> it's never failed. Not once has somebody said, you suck at this. Everybody says I'm a good writer. I've been yeah. told I'm not a great singer many times. So I think I'm a good <laughs> singer. But I think everything should be in the 1%, right? you got to be yeah. in the 1% to be successful. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so I think... I mean, I opened for Coolio in 2010, so it's not that I can't sing. <laughs> yeah. I think I'm pretty good, but but I'm I don't believe that I'm in the one percent. So I want to do what I'm in the one percent at. What am I in the one percent at? I'm a great marketer. I am brilliant at coming up with strategies to create revenue for marketing, mm -hmm. and then I'm a great writer. And so mm. if those are the two things I'm best at, let me just sit in that element and let other people do the singing. I don't need to. Maybe I can down the road. I do mm. it for my comedy stuff. I do it for, I do it for the jingles I sing. But I don't. If I'm writing a pop record, I'd rather see Justin Bieber sing it to me. He's, yeah. you know, people <laughs> like him better than me. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great, Craig. Well, um, I've particularly uh, enjoyed what you said there about what what are you in the one you know what are your one percent you know what are your areas that you're really which which sort of mirrored something you said a bit earlier as well. What are the areas where you're really exceptional and focus on those and and i think the 15 to 25 impressions i i think uh, i can hear for you that standard talk but i think so many people miss that they think if i can just get it in front of someone it's like no no you've got to be in front you've got to be engaging with them 15 to 25 times to to get a sale i think that's i think that's gold plus uh it's been great to catch up so uh, i guess to land it was there are there any final thoughts well, for you young, for you young, young people that listen to your podcast, hmm. um, in my phone, because I was bullied as a kid, I always treated everybody as if they were going to make it. Whatever that dream was, I never wanted to shit on the dream. Yeah. So for 20 years, I've been in virtual longer than 25 years. I've been in business, meeting different people. In hmm. my phone today, I have cell numbers and great relationships with at least seven billionaires. At least. Mm. I have probably 300 billionaires in my phone. Why? Because I treated people as if they were going to be successful. Yeah. And I probably treated thousands of people as if they're going to be successful. Mm. And guess what? Some percentage of those people are. So if you want to be successful in life, and look, it's a, it's a journey. It's not, a, it's not an overnight thing. It's like that little guy digging for diamonds, you know, they show you that meme all the time where he gives up and throws his axe away and the diamonds are right behind the wall. Mm, yeah. If you're going to be an entrepreneur, if you're going to be in business and you're 20 years old today, start today. The people in your circle 
If you look at 10 people in your circle who are trying to be entrepreneurial, one of those 10 is going to be a millionaire. You just don't know which one. So treat them all as if they were going to succeed and be their friend before they're successful. Yeah. Support them, help them. And guess what? When they're super successful, they're not going to be able to handle the thousands of emails and phone calls they get. But guess which call they will take? Yours. One of the reasons I'm successful today is because I have a network of people that can take my phone calls and they're billionaires and millionaires. Yeah. And I treated them with respect and they weren't. Yeah. I treated yeah. them with, with super, super respect. I was always super supportive. I believed in them because it was important. Because people mm. didn't believe in me. And so mm. I didn't want that to happen to somebody else. And so I've been able to build a network that I'm super proud of. I'm super proud. And guess what? I'm super pr proud of these people who succeeded. Mm. Like, I, I'm so that some of these people I, that I love, you know, um, mm. oh, and that's another piece of advice. Say I love you more, right? Mm. If somebody's your brother or your sister, and I don't mean biologically, but if, you know, when I when I hang up with, with Dave Asprey, I say, you know, Dave, I appreciate you and I love you, man. Thank you for being my friend. Mm. Say I love you more. I learned that from Tom Brady. Like, Tom Brady tells people he loves them all the time. That's one of the reasons why people say he's a great leader. Mm. Because there isn't anybody that he's, he goes, you know, Antonio Brown, I, I love you, man. You'll hear Tom Brady say, I love you to people more than anybody in the planet. <laughs> I think if the more you say, I love you, the better of a leader you're going to become. Mm. That's really profound. So those are my clothing, my closing thoughts. I just talked to so many young people. You know, I, I never thought of it that way. Yeah. Who'd be successful at 20? Nobody's got a million dollars at 20, usually. Mm. Oh, guess what? Some of those 20 year olds will have a million dollars in their 30s. Yeah. Who is it? Your guess is as mine. Well, why would you take a chance? Why would you take a chance? Let's be not going to be able to do it. Mm. Right? I believe in everybody. They're pretty much not too big. Yeah, that's excellent. Yeah. That's another Well, uh. There's so much more. Look, write everything down. Like, I'm right. Like, <laughs> I believe God might be. I don't know if it's God or Buddha or aliens or the Matrix, but I believe that you have to write things down that you're committing to. Yeah. And then I believe you have to put it into action and attempt to do it. Mm -hmm. And then when whatever the aliens or God or whatever sees you trying, that's when you start to receive support and momentum around the project. You can't just say, I want to do this. And then hope it happens. If you pray to God, you'll have to really no, take action. When you see yeah. the action, that's, it's like a game. I think I always think of a character in the Sims game, right? It, nobody's <laughs> going to help me until I start to help myself. I can't just pray about it. I got to do it. I had to go meet Richard Branson. Mm. I couldn't just hope I met him. I had to create the opportunity. I talked about it with you before, you know, time at the Dalai Lama. Mm. I prepared three months in advance by ordering a Tibetan scarf. I paid $60 in shipping. When I went to the event, how many people had scarves? 3,000 people, how many people had scarves? Me. So mm. I pulled up, blessed the scarf, held my hand. Yeah, I, mean, I was the only one. Mm. So, of course, I couldn't be the Dalai Lama. <laughs> well, that's, um, <laughs> yeah, of course, you got to meet the Dalai Lama. I love that. <laughs> well, when, I said, uh, when, I, when I tell you, when I tell you, I expect things to work out, so I make sure that they do. Mm. Yeah, I think, that's, I think that's good advice.
And I think writing things out and taking action is fantastic advice too. I think I think that's. Are we running uh, out of time? Is that why? Are we, are we out of time? Are we out of yeah, no, we have it. We we've got uh, we've got a bit more time. Was there something else you wanted to share? <laughs> I just heard you trying to close. You're like, I don't thought so. You're asking me over and over, so I figured we could close. Well, maybe that's something we could talk about next time. The Dalai Lama story, we can go into detail next time. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, I will. We can talk about how, how I met Ringo Starr. We can talk about it. so many things. Yeah, that's <laughs> no, good. It's a good cliffhanger for, uh, uh, for people for next time because it was, it was great to start off with the Richard Branson story and then to, to leave people hanging. Uh, so yeah, we will. Let's, let's land right. it there. I just want to thank you, Craig, for being so generous with your time and, uh, and for your thoughts. It's been great to have you on. If, uh, if people ever want to reach me, yep. I, I don't have any problem being available. I literally schedule maybe three meetings a day mm -hmm. because I like to leave room for random interactions. Like I, I do really believe that the universe and energy plays a part in our lives. Mm -hmm. And so by leaving space and, and putting it out there, I usually end up meeting like every podcast and usually there's like three or four people that reach out to me, which is cool. I'm yep. Craig at socialclose.com. Um, Craig, Craig at socialclose.com. Is that right? Yep. And I'm yep. Craig Handley on almost any social media platform. So Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, TikTok, any of these things. Um, and, and my cell number, if somebody just text me before you call, is 207 252 5779. Yep. So if someone wanted to even talk to me on the phone, just text me first. They'll call me on the phone. Text me and I'll call me. I don't care. I don't care who you are. Twenty year old kid is great. Tell. I'll try to make time for you. You know. So. Uh, yeah, that's awesome, Craig. Thank you, and thank you for being so open. Uh, and uh, and and just a note there, you can find Craig Handley uh, on all social media. And Craig was also very kind to give uh, give out some more details there for you to contact him. Uh, I just want to thank all of our listeners as well. Thank you for tuning in. And if you are, wherever you are tuning in, make sure that you subscribe or follow. It really helps us to keep you in the loop. And if you found this helpful, make sure you share it with someone uh, because the passion of what we do here at the Leadership Conversations podcast and with Clarity is to invest in people to become everything they're meant to be. And so if you can help us get the word out there to help more leaders uh, to become the leader they're meant to be, then that's a win uh, for us and for them and for, and for everyone. So thank you for listening and, uh, and we'll catch you next time. Well, I hope today's leadership question has helped you in your leadership and put a stone in your shoe. That's what I, <laughs> that's what I love to say is that my role, I believe, working with leaders is about putting a stone in your shoe. So something you were really comfortable with, now you're walking a little bit uncomfortably going, mm, is there a better way to do this? How do I handle this? And uh, that's because no growth is comfortable. So uh, I hope that's okay. I appreciate you taking the time. I don't take it lightly. And if you are just joining us, then make sure you check out our website, consultclarity.org, consultclarity.org. We have so much free content on there for you, including the seven questions on leadership series. So more than 1,500 leaders around the world, different roles, different sectors have filled out the seven questions on leadership in-depth answers on how they lead, what they've found most challenging, how they structure their time, 
what book or books have been most significant for them. There is so much gold on there. You could go and, and basically live in that part of our website for a few weeks, I think. Uh, so make sure you go and check that out. It's free. And hey, we would love to interview you for our uh, seven questions on leadership series. Your leadership based on your, uh, you know, your context, your life and your experience I believe that you can bring something that other leaders can learn from. I, I truly do. And so it's completely free to get involved. It's a great way to give back if you're loving this content. And you can do that by going to consultclarity.org forward slash seven dash questions dash interest or just Google consultclarity.org seven questions interest and then click on the page, fill out the form to express your interest and we can get you going to fill out the seven questions on leadership. We also have a free resource on our website. It's right at the top, consultclarity.org on our homepage and it's called the Leadership Survival Guide. It's a 57-page ebook with interviews uh, from 10 world-class leaders and it's right there for you to download. It's completely free and awesome resource. It's very popular, so check that out. We also have a daily email, and I know that our more than 15,000 leaders who subscribe get a lot of value from that. We highlight the best content from our blogs, from our podcasts, uh, from our books and books we're reading. It also gives you exclusive and limited access and early access to our masterclasses and workshops. So uh, I really try to make it something as helpful and as valuable as possible. That's my commitment. And so go to consultclarity.org forward slash subscribe if you're interested in all things leadership and you can become part of that community. Now, my gift to you with everything we're doing, particularly with this podcast, the leadership question of the day, is to work really hard to provide uh, the best leadership content to invest in you and your leadership. Your gift to me would be this. If you're finding this helpful, if this helps you in your leadership, then there is something you can do that makes a massive difference, and that is to write a review or rate our content. Wherever you're listening or watching, rate our content, write a review, make sure you subscribe or follow. It might seem small to you to do that, but it adds up and it helps us to help more leaders become the best they can be. It also means a lot to me personally whenever I see you sharing our content, so thank you so much for that. If you do share it on social media, then look for me, John O'White, and try to tag me and look for clarity and tag us and I promise we are always looking for content shared by our community. When people share our content, we're looking to engage with you. And we, you know, there's also a chance that we may actually share what you write uh, as, a, as a post with our, with our followers. So if you do that, there's a chance you'll be shared as well. Last of all, you can check out my book called Step Up or Step Out, How to Deal with Difficult People Even If You Hate Conflict. I wrote this book because more than 50% of the leaders I coach, 50% of the sessions, sorry, where I coach leaders, this comes up again and again and again. And it's leaders saying, Jono, how do I deal with this difficult person? Or how do I deal with this person? And I'm finding it so difficult. We're just on a different wavelength. And that's because difficult conversations are uh, difficult. And I find this is one of the biggest challenges for leaders in the world today. And that's where Step Up or Step Out is a three-step process to help you deal well with difficult people. Uh, I really believe it's a book that can help you in your leadership. So go and check that out. It's on Amazon, Step Up or Step Out, John O'White, uh, if you just look that up. Or go to store.consultclarity.org forward slash book and you can get it there. Well, thank you so much for listening. We're going to be back with a new episode of the Leadership Question of the Day next time. 
I hope today has helped you take another step towards becoming everything you're meant to be. We'll see you next time.